Chapter 16 There wasn't a lot of debate back at the barn that evening about what to do with the baby hork Bajir. We go in and get him, Jake said. It could be a trap, Marco pointed out. This Arya person could still be a controller. This could all be a setup. I wanted to ask why a controller would care about the conditions of the animals in that hideous zoo, but I didn't. I guess I've gotten so I say less and less. Sometimes all the communicating that people do just seems irrelevant. Action is what counts. Jake nodded. We have to act on the assumption that this is a trap. We'll divide our forces. Group A goes in. Group B hangs back. Marco smirked to Rachel. He's just so Patton. Jake grinned and aimed a punch at Marco's shoulder. Then followed one of the more bizarre parts of Animorph life. Jake, Rachel, Cassie, and Marco all sat down in the hay of the barn, whipped open their backpacks, and pulled out books and notebooks. Homework. I guess when you're fully human and a kid, there's just no escaping homework. Axe looked over Cassie's shoulder at her science textbook. But that's not true! He kept muttering. That's not at all how gravity works! I sat comfortably in the rafters and eavesdropped on Jake's homework. I still enjoy reading when I get a chance. Sometimes I'll go to the park or the beach, places where people read out in the open. I'll find a nice updraft or steady breeze, float 50 or 60 feet up, and read over someone's shoulder. I've read a lot of John Grisham and Stephen King and Nora Roberts. Not whole books, unfortunately, but pages and occasionally whole chapters. Now I sat reading over Jake's shoulder, and when that grew dull, I floated over to spy on Rachel's book. Then, at last, it was time to go. If you would really like to understand the laws of motion as they apply to the quantum level, and how they relate to both gravity and what we endolates call the seventh force, then... Cassie laughed and put a hand on Axe's arm. Axe, it must be hard not having anyone around to discuss things on your level. He looked disconcerted. I... no, it's not that, he said lamely. Okay, everyone cool with their parents? Jake asked. Yes, all the right lies have been told, Cassie said, shaking her head regretfully. Everyone is over at someone else's house, as usual. Well, this won't take long, Rachel said. The others morphed to various bird morphs, and we flew to Frank's safari land. The sign had been changed. It now cried out that Frank's had the first ever actual space alien. It was working. The lot was filled with a dozen cars. I was in Group A, along with Rachel, 
We were the two who were familiar with the place. Also with us was Jake. Cassie, Axe, and Marco were backup, ready to come in if things went wrong. We landed and demorphed, just outside the Alligator Lagoon. It was dark, but not pitch black. A hint of dying sun still glowed in the west. The moon wasn't out, but the sky was full of stars. The others demorphed. I waited. I was going to a morph I'd only used once. hork Bajir. Normally, I would never use the hork Bajir morph. hork Bajir are sentient creatures. We have a rule about morphing humans or other free, sentient species. We're not the Yurks, after all. We don't just go around taking and using the DNA of free people. But this was a unique case. We needed Beck, the hork child, to come with us willingly. And I knew that Kethalpak, whose DNA was the basis for my morph, would not object at all. Okay, Jake whispered. One more time. I go inhuman and turn off the main power switch so we have darkness. Rachel morphs, and as soon as the power goes out, she goes in and removes the back wall. Tobias, you stay here in the dark till Rachel says go. Then you run in, snatch the kid, and run back out. Cassie will be ready to take him after that. We get him a quarter mile down the back road to the cornfield. All clear? Rachel winked at me. You know, Marco's right. He's gotten so patent. Oh, shut up, Jake said good-naturedly. Jake remained human and began to walk carefully around the outer fence of the alligator lagoon. Hey, did Jake say knock down one wall? Or did he say knock down some walls? Rachel asked, dripping with fake innocence. You know perfectly well he just wants you to get us into that place. He did not say you should knock the whole place down just because Frank is a creep and he mistreats animals, I said sternly. On the other hand, it is dark. You might get confused. Rachel laughed, her slightly insane, ready-for-a-fight laugh. Yeah, I might. She began to morph an elephant. Now, earlier, when I said it was kind of cool watching Rachel go to Eagle, it's not the same watching her turn into an elephant. There is nothing even slightly attractive about it. For one thing, there is the way she grows. In sudden lumps of flesh that pop out of her thighs, her stomach, even her head. It is disturbing to see a lump of gray flesh the size of a refrigerator bulge out of the side of someone's head. She lumped and bumped and glooped her way from being a normal-sized girl to being a shapeless behemoth. Her legs became pillars. So did her arms. Her elephant feet sank into the damp soil. She was grinning at me when her white teeth seemed to flow together and then sprout out and out like a spear coming at me. They curved up to a point, a pair of tusks. Her nose began to hang down like it was running, then like it was melting. Then it began to thicken and darken and grow. Of course, by then, the beach blanket-sized ears were already formed. The last part of Rachel to disappear entirely was her hair. For several seconds, she looked exactly like an elephant wearing a blonde wig. All this time, I had started morphing as well. It's strange morphing anything. I mean, no matter what you become, it is a nightmare. Just imagine watching your own flesh squirm and melt and wither, shrink or swell. 
Imagine hearing your own internal organs go watery and squish away. Imagine having body parts you've never had before and a brain that knows how to use them. Morphing is always a freak show. But there is a special quality to morphing a non-terrestrial animal. According to Axe, DNA is a very common thing in the galaxy. That same double helix of atoms forms the blueprint for all of life on Earth, and almost all life forms elsewhere. But beyond that, there aren't a lot of similarities between alien bodies and, say, humans. Real life turns out not to be like Star Trek. Aliens are not just humans wearing funny ears, nose putty, and costumes. There is nothing remotely human about a hork What's weird is there are slight similarities between hawks and hork The taloned feet are very much alike. The almost beak-like mouth is similar. And... Well, that's about it for similarity. hork are huge, seven feet tall. Where my bones are hollow and light, theirs are thick and dense as steel. Where my intestines are built for digesting raw meat, a fairly simple job, theirs are infinitely more complex to allow them to digest tree bark. And while I have some natural weapons, beaks, and talons, the hork are a natural weapon. The claws that allow them to climb the skyscraper-sized trees of their homeworld, the wrist and elbow and forehead blades that allow them to scrape the bark from those trees, can all be used as weapons. But the hork had never used them as weapons until the Yurks and the Andalites brought their war to the hork world. I grew and grew, grew till I could almost look Rachel straight in the eye. My talons became Tyrannosaurus feet. My mouth grew teeth, sharp ones for cutting bark and serrated molars for grinding it up. My wings lost their feathers and extended out and out. Hands grew where my finger bones had been. Muscles covered my entire body, and from that muscle, the bony projections of blades grew. Well, we're a nice-looking couple, Rachel said. Let's go to the dance. I heard a noise. Car engines racing, brakes screeching, then car doors slamming. Several. Many. I shot a look toward the parking lot, but it was mostly blocked from view. And at that moment, the lights of Frank Safari Land went out. Showtime, Rachel said, and laughed her wild laugh. Chapter 17 Out went the lights, and I quickly discovered that hork don't have much in the way of night vision. Neither do elephants. But elephants don't care all that much, since they can pretty well stomp anything that gets in their way. Rachel trumpeted and took off around the perimeter of the alligator lagoon, heading for Frank's safari land. I was amazed how fast she was. I could barely keep up. I heard annoyed yelling coming from the building. Hey, turn on the lights. I want my money back. We rushed at the closest wall. Rachel came to a stop and carefully pressed the flat front of her wrecking ball head against it. She leaned her weight forward, and we both heard a creaking sound. <laughs> she cackled. Just wood. Doesn't this little piggy know he should build his house out of brick? Come out, come out, little piggy. Or I'll huff. I'll puff. I'll crush this dump like a matchbox. She reared back and slammed her weight forward. 
Wham! Freak! That should have gotten people to step back, she said. Now we go in. She backed up three elephant steps and launched forward, hurtling her dump truck weight against the flimsy wooden wall. Wham! Crack! Crunch! Woomph! The wall fell in. Now people were really yelling. Hey, I'm getting out of here! Rachel happily stomped in across the shattered timbers and splintered plywood, trumpeting like mad, swinging her big trunk back and forth, and generally making the kind of destructive mess she loves to make. Everybody out! She ordered in wide-band thought-speak. Rabbit elephant! Psycho elephant on the loose! It's Dumbozilla! In the general panic, no one would recall that they didn't really hear anyone shout that warning. I followed gingerly in Rachel's wake. She was busy tossing her trunk up and down, making the low ceiling jump with each impact. I squeezed past her and searched for the little lost hork Bashir. I found him in his cage. But I was not alone. On the other side of the cage stood three men. Two carried standard handguns. The third carried a weapon I'd seen far too often before. A Yurk Dracon beam. The three human controllers gaped at me. Not the way actual humans would react to suddenly encountering a hork Bashir but the way people already familiar with hork would react to seeing one where he wasn't expected. Uh, Rachel? What? Sorry, I'm all turned around and can't help stomping this place to pieces. Save that for Jake, I said. We have company. Who are you? One of the men demanded. Visor 3 didn't tell us that. Wait, it's one of the renegade hork one of the escaped hosts. Beck looked at me pleadingly. The controllers leveled their weapons at me. And one of them began yelling into a watch that must have also been a communicator. This was going to get ugly fast. They were here to grab the baby hork Bajir. So were we. One big difference. They might not care if Beck lived or died. Chapter 18 so, a renegade hork Bashir, one of the controllers said. Let's grab them both. Visser 3 will be very pleased. He raised his dracon beam and leveled it at me. You can make it easy or hard, hork Bashir. Beck was between them and me. If I attacked... Fortunately, I was not alone. I never even saw the wolf till it was on the controller. Its big jaws clamped down tight over his gun hand. Ah! He screamed. Cassie? Good timing. Yeah, it's me. But don't just stand there. There are more coming. Lots more. I didn't hesitate a second longer. I leapt over Beck's cage and landed, T-Rex feet first, on one of the men. Orkbizier may not be geniuses for the most part, but they are quick. My victim went down, yelling and scrambling to get away. The gunshot was so close, the sound hurt worse than the bullet. The bullet knocked a neat, round hole in my left elbow blade. I slashed instinctively. The gun dropped to the floor, and the controller would now have a hard time counting past eight on his fingers. We had a momentary advantage, Cassie and I. 
I fumbled with clumsy Horkbisher fingers at the lock on Beck's cage. Then, something black, shaggy, and massive pushed by me. Here, let Gorilla Boy do that for you, Marco said. See, it requires delicacy, patience, and a subtle touch. He grabbed the front of the cage, twining his sausage fingers through the bars, and... He tore the cage open like a bag of chips. Come with me, Beck, I said to the terrified Horkbashir baby. Cat, how pack? Um, yes, come. He took my hand, and that's when everything broke loose. The blinding light of muzzle flashes, and even more blinding dracon beams. Explosions that rocked the room. Suddenly, an elephant. Suddenly, faces. Angry, frightened faces, visible in the flashes of gunfire. I felt as if someone had punched me in the stomach. For a moment, I was confused. Had Beck hit me? No, a bullet! I could see the hole. I could see the blood. Rachel trumpeted. And now, there were more creatures. The lynx, loose from its cage. A tiger, roaring, rushing, slashing. A gorilla, swinging fists the size of canned hams. An andalite, his tail flying like a bullwhip, slashing with terrible accuracy. The attack was reckless, desperate, heedless. Bullets flying, dracon beams burning holes in cages and walls. Flames rising around me. Smoke. I clutched Beck's hand and staggered back, looking for an escape route. But it was pretty dark, aside from the angry weapon flashes. The ceiling was sloping down in places, where it had almost fallen. Walls were twisted. Cages were strewn here and there. Animals screamed. Human voices shouted. The pain hit suddenly, late but not forgotten. I doubled over, but kept my grip on Beck's hand. He was yanking, tugging, pulling in panic. Now the battle was becoming more organized. The controllers had the front half of the building, and more were around the back, splashing hurriedly through the alligator lagoon to cut us off. Rachel was demorphing. Her elephant bulk was doing more harm than good. As she shrank toward human, she ducked out of sight and faded into the dark. The controllers, there must have been a dozen by now, had learned a little humility. They were cowering behind cover, shooting wildly around corners, waiting, no doubt, for our retreat to be cut off. Tobias, get that kid out of here! Jake yelled. You need me! I gasped. Get. Him. Out! I grabbed Beck more tightly and began to back toward the crushed wall we'd come through. The pain in my stomach felt like someone had shoved a red-hot sword into me. I felt a cool breeze on my back. I turned, ready to plunge through the opening into the night beyond. But the way was not clear. An Andalite stood there. He was older than Axe. Larger. Battle-scarred. He exuded a darkness that was blacker than the night. A darkness that came from the twisted, evil slug that lived inside the captive Andalite brain. Visser Three. He whipped his Andalite tail forward and I stepped back. But even as I registered the Andalite body that had once belonged to a powerful Andalite war prince, 
I began to see the changes. He was morphing. Visor 3, the only Andalite controller. The only Yurk with the power to morph. Visor 3, who had traveled the galaxy acquiring morphs of the most deadly creatures of the known universe. Ah, a renegade hork he said, sounding delighted. The little runaway and the renegade. Ket Helpak, if I'm not mistaken. Well, my hork friend, I'll soon have you back at the Yurk Pool. You'll soon belong to us again. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And uh, I don't have too much for y'all this week. I do have a message sent anonymously to the Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com if you would also like to send something in. And this one is, uh, it's a bit political, folks. This anonymous user has written in, Howard Stern for President 2024. Let's make common sense cool again. Um, and I'd like to, I probably should have said this before, but I'd like to make um, clear this, uh, me reading this is not an endorsement for Howard Stern or his hypothetical presidential run. Um, I think a lot of these, uh, oh, just use common sense, come from um, a centrist, uh, everyone's bad sort of mentality that I don't really, um, I don't really buy into. And Howard Stern personally, I also think is kind of a jerk. Uh, I still remember what he did after Selena died. Not not a cool guy in my opinion, but that's just me. I also don't listen to radio, so I don't have to interact with that man. <laughs> um, also, I don't believe in voting, but that's a <laughs> uh, discussion for maybe another podcast. If you'd like to hear more about my politics, join me in my new hidden, not recorded podcast. Daniel talks about his politics. Um, other than that... I don't have anything else, but if you'd like to send something in, like, um, who you're rooting rooting for, I guess, uh, for the 2024 election, you can certainly do that uh, through the aforementioned Tumblr, that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do it on Gmail, that's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. And of course, you can do it through my website, that's theapodcalypse.com. That's theapodcalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. You can also reach me on Twitter, that's at audiomorphs, and that is where you should check if I am ever late posting an episode, I will probably have told you what's going on over there. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts and like to leave me a rating and or review, certainly feel free to do so. I would appreciate it. I would read it. I would read it on here. But uh, no pressure. No pressure. I uh, that's, that's all I got. So thank you all for listening. And we're really clipping through this. It's always fun doing a book right after one of the Chronicles or one of the Megamorphs because they're so much shorter that I feel like I've just started and we're already like halfway through. Isn't that nice? Uh, man, these, these regular books go through fast. Thank you all for listening and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>